0: Excellent. it's so good to be together today. Uh, my name is Jared Melliner, I am one of the pastors here. And I truly do want to thank each one of you for being here with us today. Uh, especially if you are someone who doesn't normally go to church, or someone who, uh, uh, you know, believes something different than what we do, or someone who's taken a considerable step outside of your comfort zone uh, to be here with us. We're honored to have you here, and we are glad that you have joined with us this day. If you don't know much about us as a church, uh, we are all about Jesus, and that's the main thing that you need to know about us. What we have in common is that we really need Jesus because we are really messed up. I always like to say that Our church is not a museum of perfected saints. We are a hospital for the needy and the broken and the sin sick. I am a greater sinner than most because I learned so much of the truth about God from a very young age. I grew up in a Christian home, but I decided that I wanted nothing to do with God. I didn't say that with my words, but I did say it with my life. I was selfish and proud, and believe it or not, those sins of selfishness and pride still show up in my life all of the time. Easter is good news to me because I need a savior. Easter is not a pep rally. Easter is a celebration of a historic event that has changed our lives forever. Christ is risen. And if you long for greater joy and greater peace, if you long for greater healing and greater hope, then Easter is for you. I want to look together at Peter's proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus in Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter two, this is the first great sermon that was preached after Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to many people and ascended to heaven. Acts chapter two, beginning in verse 22. This is God's holy and authoritative word. This is Peter speaking. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them. Saying save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. May God bless the preaching of his word. I'm sure we can all think of great inspirational speeches, even in real life or in movies. One of the great movie speeches is found in Braveheart, Uh, at the Battle of Stirling, where William Wallace exhorts his people to fight for their freedom and not live another day in slavery. Someone said that speech, almost makes you want to go and buy a kilt. Uh, So moving, is it? Almost, I guess, is the operative word there. There's also an iconic speech in Independence Day, when aliens, you may remember, are taking over and humanity is about to be annihilated. And it was President Whitmore who speaks to all the fighter pilots over his... Handheld microphone. There was a speech writer for one of our former presidents, a real life speechwriter, who once said that if we are ever attacked by a war fleet of extraterrestrials, uh, that scene in that movie should be required viewing for all White House staff. I think that's about right. Well, here in Acts 2, we have one of the great speeches in all of Scripture and in all of History. The sermon was preached on the day of Pentecost and resulted in 3,000 new Christians. The Apostle Peter, as we've seen, is the one who is speaking. And his message is about what God has done in Jesus Christ to provide a way of salvation. Notice that the message of Christianity is not about living a moral life. He does not stand up that day and say, Go to church, say your prayers, try to be a better person. The reason is that Christianity is about Christ. It is about a person. Peter is not talking about a subjective experience he had. He's not talking about something he's found that really works for him. He's not saying whatever faith works for you is great. He certainly doesn't say all major religions are equally valid and essentially teach the same thing which would not be true, he says, this Jesus is Lord. This Jesus is Lord, and you must believe him. This Jesus was crucified and killed according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God himself. God raised him up, verse 24, loosing the pangs of death Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Ever since sin entered the world, death has reigned. And all of humanity has been enslaved to the fear of death. God sent his son into the world to triumph over death. He accomplished this victory through his death and resurrection. Jesus died according to the plan of God. He died in our place to receive the judgment from a holy God that we deserve. To bear the wrath of God that we deserve for our sins. So that everyone who calls upon his name will be saved. It was on Good Friday that we reflected on the death of Christ that took place so many Fridays ago. And when Jesus died, death and the grave did their best to bind him. They did their best to keep him there. Death and the grave laughed and celebrated at the hour of the cross, thinking themselves victorious. They rubbed their hands. They said, Satan is going to love this. Death and the grave fist bumped with evil smiles. The grave shut itself tight around the corpse of Christ. And death said to Jesus, I forbid you to ever live again. And death and the grave celebrated all weekend long, gloating and congratulating each other. They thought they got the W. They thought it was done. Little did they know, Sunday was coming. A few days passed and death went and told the grave, hey man, we've got a problem. We have a big problem. I don't think I can hold this Jesus much longer. He's he's stronger than I thought and it is impossible for me to keep him. And, and death trembled and said, Jesus is going to burst the strongest bonds I've got. His heart is about to beat. Blood will soon be racing through his veins once again. I thought he was a passive lamb, but a lion is about to roar. They said, they said we better go tell Satan he's not going to like this. And you could see the fear in death's eyes when he said it gets worse because not only is Jesus coming out of the grave, he's bringing others with him. Thousands upon thousands will soon be singing as they run out of the grave and they taunt death and they taunt the grave saying, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. This, is, this is the good news we celebrate today. This Jesus is the author of life who through his death is now giving new resurrection life to all who trust in him. I am, I am not speaking figuratively. I am not speaking metaphorically or spiritually when I say that Jesus is alive. I do not mean that he is alive in our hearts. I do not mean that he is alive in our memories. I mean, he's not physically dead. The body that was put to death has been raised imperishable, never to die again. Christ the Lord is risen today. This Jesus has conquered sin. This Jesus has defeated death. This Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of the Father, reigning as heaven's champion. This Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And all who call upon his name will be saved. He died for sinners and he lives as Savior of the world. And for the, the strengthening of our faith and to win us to Christ, because there are some of you who may need persuading, what Peter does, Peter's actually preaching here an evangelistic sermon. He's, he's preaching the news of Jesus to those who do not believe that they might believe. And he explains that the proofs of the resurrection are powerful and persuasive. The resurrection of Jesus is historically verifiable. There is overwhelming proof that Jesus died and rose again. The author of the book of Acts, in fact, is a very uh, careful and methodical man, a physician, a doctor, named Luke, who in his gospel said that he wrote these books, he wrote Luke and Acts, as an orderly account that we might have assurance of God's plan of salvation and know that Jesus is who he says he is. Peter, in this sermon, reminds all of his listeners in verse 22 that God was proving the divinity of Jesus throughout the earthly life of Jesus, through the miracles, through the signs and wonders that were done. Read the Gospels. You see his glory in these books. Peter also draws from Old Testament scripture, beginning in verse 25, quoting David in Psalm 16. What's Peter doing there? Well, he's showing that centuries of prophecy speak of a savior descended from David, whom God would raise from the dead. The scriptures have now been fulfilled. The prophecies have come to pass. In verse 32, Peter also says this, Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Peter there speaking that day was speaking himself as a witness. Peter was an eyewitness. He had seen the risen Lord with his own eyes. He spent time with him. And not just Peter, but many others. Jesus had been publicly crucified, he was buried, and then he appeared to many witnesses. There were some 11 times after his death and resurrection that Jesus is recorded as appearing to people, proving he was resurrected. He appeared to men and women. He appeared to groups and crowds. He appeared at different locations, different times of the day. He was touched. He was seen. He was heard. He ate food with others. I was looking again this week at that Magnificent painting by Caravaggio, The Incredulity of St. Thomas. You may have seen it. Doubting Thomas was the one who said, Until I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. He took this posture of great doubt, declaring that unless these conditions are met, he would never believe believe well praise God that Jesus meets us where we are and that includes meeting us in our many doubts a week later Jesus appeared to Thomas and in Caravaggio's painting you have the dramatic lighting that Caravaggio often used Jesus is there hanging out with his squad it's an incredible painting and the face of Thomas shows surprise as he leans in and Jesus is holding his wrist as he has guided it to the wound in his side. They were witnesses. They were witnesses. And Peter tells the large crowd of thousands that they are witnesses of the resurrection. Friends, you study the evidence and it is inescapable. These are the historical facts. The grave was guarded by Roman soldiers. The grave was found empty. The grave clothes were neatly left behind. The body of Jesus was never found. No one ever claimed to have stolen his body. None of those things are religious opinions. Those are the facts that historians of all religions agree upon. Peter is here saying in this great sermon, consider the evidence. Consider the scriptures. Use your mind. Consider what you are seeing and hearing. You are witnesses. You have seen the empty tomb. You have have observed many convincing proofs that Jesus is alive. And here's the thing. It was in that exact geographic place where Jesus died and rose again that there was a massive expansion of Christianity that was based entirely on the claim that Jesus died and rose again. This was not a small fringe group believing something, but thousands of people. And that massive explosion of belief did not take place over years. It happened in days and weeks. The world has never known anything like it. Read the historians at the time, whether they're Christian or not, and they will tell you about it. How do we explain so many thousands coming to believe in the resurrection of Jesus? How can we explain that the message has spread throughout the world just as Jesus said it would? Here's here's what I've realized. I don't have the faith to believe he's still dead. It would be too great of a stretch. It would be too great of a blind leap of faith to believe that Jesus is in the grave or that Christianity is a lie. All of the scriptures and all of history and all of the evidence and all of our own stories of transformation point to the inescapable fact that Jesus is alive and that he alone is the savior of the world. And God wants us to know this for certain. He wants us to be assured of it in our hearts. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain. Let all the world know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ This Jesus whom you crucified. What happens next? The response. There's a response in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were greatly moved. They were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? The, The truth had landed on them with a sense of weight, with a sense of glory, with a sense of authority. They knew that they could not resist this message that was being preached. And friends, if you have never been cut to the heart by the message of Christ, you're not a Christian. Peter's answer to what they must do is repent. Repentance is distinct and different from doing good works. Repentance is the humble acknowledgement that we are not good enough you can't repent unless you acknowledge you are a sinner and if you don't think you are a sinner you're going to want to fact check that with your parents or your children or your spouse or your friends or your co-workers we are all sinners we are all natural born rebels against God it is not that the good go to heaven and the bad go to hell. Scripture says all are bad. None have loved God as we ought. All have turned aside from him. No one will enter heaven who thinks they deserve it because there are none who deserve it. And so we, we repent. Christians are a people of, of repentance. Repentance. Of humility. It's one of the glorious things about our faith. Christianity is a voice of humility. In an age of arrogance. Christians do not believe. That they are morally superior. They simply believe they need a savior. There is an obligation to believe. But Peter highlights the joyful blessings of Christianity. In verse 38. He calls them to repent and believe. And then holds out this great promise. You will experience Two great blessings, the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The forgiveness of sins. Oh, to be forgiven and to know the joy of forgiveness, to know that the burden of sin can be lifted. You don't need to go on living under the guilt of sin Because when we look to Christ for salvation, he takes all of our sin, he takes all of our guilt upon himself. And all who believe in Christ are cleansed from every sin. I guarantee you there is no sin that you have committed that is so great that it cannot be forgiven and covered and cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He stands ready to forgive. He stands with a heart full of mercy. The forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we become Christians, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us to change us To help us be the kind of people God made us to be. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit to comfort us in sorrow and in loss. To sustain our hope in trials. And to flood our lives with the fruit of the Spirit. Of love and joy and peace. That shapes all of our relationships. The forgiveness of sins the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Easter is not only the hope of heaven, it is the promise of a truly blessed life here in the present. The joy and the freedom of forgiveness, power to change, fellowship with God himself through his spirit, the assurance that we are loved by God. Will you enter into these blessings? If you've come to Christ Rejoice and be glad that these blessings are yours and resolve to treasure Christ all your days. If you haven't come to Christ, I plead with you to do so. I plead with you to come to Christ, to this glorious Savior. In verse 40, it says, Peter continued to exhort them with many other words. <laughs> many other words means that like every preacher, he had a lot to say. So this is a summary of the sermon that was preached. But it says that he exhorted them. He was was speaking from his heart. He was appealing and pleading and warning them, calling them to respond. The goal is not that they would go on their way and say, oh, what a nice little talk that was. The goal is to be confronted with Christ, to be confronted by the good news, the glorious news of what God has done in Christ and that people would respond and be saved. I can never understand how a preacher of the gospel does not exhort and appeal and call for a response. The stakes are so much higher than in Braveheart or in an alien invasion. Christ has died. Christ truly has risen, and Christ will come again in glory. And this is why Peter says in verse 40, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. What, what, what does that mean? Well, crooked generation means that we are, <laughs> the world is messed up, and we are all crooked and messed up. Savior, that part means salvation is possible. That part means that hope is possible. All of those who deny Jesus as Savior are part of the corrupt generation that we all once belonged to, who will one day be judged. Save yourselves. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. He is willing and able to forgive. And through the power of the resurrection, and the reality of the resurrection, he lives today. Jesus is alive. I want to invite the band to come forward as I conclude. And I want to press this question upon you. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? And do you believe he is risen? I'm borrowing here from hip-hop artist Shy Lin when I say this. He says, Elvis is dead Picasso is dead, Marilyn Monroe is dead, but Jesus is alive. Plato is dead, Socrates is dead, Immanuel Kant and Darwin are dead, but Jesus is alive. Buddha is dead, Muhammad is dead, Gandhi is dead, but Jesus is alive. Nero is dead, Constantine is dead, Alexander the Great is dead, but Jesus is alive. This Jesus God raised up, this Jesus God exalted over all things. Do you know for certain today, do you know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ? Give your life to him. Friends, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. We have a song of joy today because death is beaten. We have a song of joy today because God has rescued us. Death is dead. Love has won. Christ has conquered. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over all his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. He arose. Do you feel like shouting glory? All glory to the name of Jesus. He lives. He's worthy of our praise.